Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. David, I know that you guys are going over a report today um, that is very, very timely and you've brought a guest on. Who'd you bring on today? Yes, today we have with us Darren Malak, with, uh, who's from CBRE. We are going to talk about the highlights from the first quarter investment sales volume. CBRE just put out this pretty great overview of, of all the activity in the market, going through different property types, markets, buyers, sellers, cross-border flows, a bunch of other things that we're going to touch on. So I brought Darren to uh, come in. So Darren, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the meat of that, if you want to just take a second to you know, introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Darren Malad. I'm the Senior Director of Capital Markets Research at CBRE. So I head up our uh, U.S. capital markets uh, research, but also have a team of analysts around the world uh, that uh, we, we work as a global team. Uh, capital is global, and that's how we like to uh, operate uh, as a firm as well. And uh, in addition to that, uh, quite involved in uh, writing, you know, other types of white papers and some of the economic thought leadership coming out of the firm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, really, really delighted to be here right now in uh, what is a, a very dynamic time in the markets. Yeah, so that's a great segue to talking about this report. The so according to this, you know, the year over year volume was up forty five percent for the first quarter. Uh, according to your figures, $150.4 billion of total investment volume. Um, you know, just wanted to start with if you could, you know, say some of the high level takeaways, you know, from, from this overall report. Yeah. Um, well, there, there are a lot of them, uh, but we'll, we'll just start with volume uh, where you started. Uh, as you mentioned, it was an extremely strong first quarter, and that's coming off of a, a record Q4. Uh, you know, Q4 of 2021 was especially. Um, notable in a historical sense. But, you know, even if you look at uh, the, the first quarter of this year, it's clear that the market continues to have a lot of momentum, despite the fact that we are seeing uh, a lot more uncertainty uh, in the uh, macro landscape and uh, anticipate some headwinds to be building as the year goes on. And we can talk a little bit about that. But, you know, generally speaking, uh, extremely healthy quarter, um, uh, almost across the board. There were some exceptions there. Uh, for example, you know, in terms of uh, net buyers and sellers, you know, we we saw cross border investment investors were, uh, you know, uh, the, those levels were down a little bit. Uh, not surprising given the strength of the dollar and rising mm-hmm. interest rates and the impact that that has on on hedging costs. But I think what you see is generally. A, uh, a sense of urgency in the market, uh, particularly on, on the part of sellers trying to get things uh, onto the market as soon as possible. And so, um, you know, this is sort of what we would have expected uh, in this quarter. We expect Q2 to be uh, also uh, notably strong. And, you know, as I mentioned before, there's probably some headwinds starting to build toward the end of the year uh, that uh, will we'll begin to show up in those numbers. Interesting. So it's so so it's at some level this is with, I guess with interest rate concerns with, you know some of the the moves that the Fed might do that that's creating a some some additional urgency to kind of get deals done now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just to give you an idea of, you know, with the, the type of impact that that's having, you know, if you, if you were to look at, you know, the pre-pandemic quarterly average, Q1, which is traditionally not, you know, the, the strongest quarter of the year, mm-hmm. uh, it was still 14% above the pre-pandemic quarterly average. Um, so, you know, this was a historically strong Q1 coming off of a historically strong second half of 21. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of momentum. The Fed moves are creating uh, an incentive to move sooner rather than later. And that's why we expect, you know, uh, that sort of brisk activity to continue uh, in, in the second quarter as well. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, that's what we're hearing from the ground is, is happening. And um, aside from the, the cross-border piece, which you touched on uh, a little bit, in terms of looking at some of the buyer types, the privates, the institutionals, the, the REITs and public companies, did anything jump out in terms of their levels of activity? Any, any surprises or anything notable around certain kinds of investors being particularly active? And, and it, it, the, the numbers show that some of these groups were net buyers and net sellers. Is that meaningful or is that what can we take from some of that? Yeah, well, I mean, look, if, if we're just comparing Q1 of 22 to Q1 of, of 21, the, in terms of buyer types, uh, cross-border was the only one that was down. And so, you know, we're, we're up quite sharply. Uh, private, which was the, the, the single largest uh, buyer type, um, up, you know, 42%. Institutional is up uh, almost 52%. Uh, REITs are up almost 83%. Uh, but of course, that's that's a smaller uh, slice of the overall pie, uh, while cross border was down about just under nineteen percent. So it, it was it was very clear that this was a a, a fantastically good quarter that's reflected uh, across buyer types, uh, with the exception of uh, you know some of that cross border investment. But I, that's not surprising either, as I mentioned, just given the the uh, strength of the dollar and uh, rising hedging costs. And in terms of the kind of deals that we're seeing, you do have a little bit, you do have a breakdown that looks at whether deals were single asset portfolio or entity level. It seems like the the bulk of the volume is single asset, but yeah. pretty substantial numbers still in the other kinds. What, what, what does that tell us? Well, you know, I think there's something really interesting, and I'm glad you brought up some of those differentiations because it, it, when when you start looking at the market by you know type of of, of sale, uh, whether it's entity portfolio or, or single asset, as you mentioned, single asset is the single largest. And if you look at just single asset sales, you can begin to see uh, recovery in investment volumes for office. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you if you're looking at total volumes, it's multifamily, industrial, then office. Uh, but if you break it out into that individual uh, asset uh, sales, you, you, office actually becomes the number two property type. And so I think that that that's actually uh, quite a positive sign and um, an indication of of continued uh, recovery in the office market. Now, again, I don't want to overstate anything, but I mean, this is this is what the data is telling us uh, is that investors are increasingly uh, more comfortable with with office, and that's being reflected in the volumes. Uh, coming out. Yeah, actually, interestingly, looking at that, those single asset year-over-year percentage gains, retail is one, office is two, and hotel is three, which I think tell, it seems would tell us something about where we are vis-a-vis the concerns around 
pandemic and reopening and like the, the fact that these those, those sectors which during the pandemic were concerns are now like post post posted such strong numbers i think s- seems to say something about how much we have recovered or people think we could still recover on on some of those sectors that got hurt a lot yeah, David, I, I think that's absolutely right. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing strength uh, in places that we haven't seen strength, uh, you know, through the pandemic. So, um, you know, uh, notably uh, retail, you know, retail had the largest improvement in volumes is up 87% year over year. You know, that that's that's extremely notable. And, and it wouldn't be possible if there was uh, that sort of ongoing level of concern that there was during the pandemic of, you know, health restrictions um, sort of, uh, you know, getting in the way of, uh, of improvement in fundamentals. And then what about from a, a market perspective, anything, I, I, all the numbers in terms of the year over year were pretty, pretty jaw dropping in some of these markets, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of them are triple digit percentage yeah. gains. So it's hard to say like, you know, like, I, I mean, so it's like everybody is seeing more activity, but was there anything particularly about about some of the, some of the about some markets that that you find um, would be worth pointing out? You know, it, it, so it, it it depends on how you slice and dice it. If you're looking at total volumes, you you probably wouldn't be too surprised at what the top markets are. Right, you've got New York and LA is number one and two. Uh, Dallas is number three, which is you know that that's notable as well. Uh, followed by San Francisco and Atlanta, kind of rounding out the top. Uh, five there, and 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 by the way, even though you know New York and LA, <laughs> largest investment markets in the country, uh, to your point about jaw dropping numbers, I mean you know the volumes are up 126 percent in New York, uh, uh, almost 94 percent in LA, but where I think it becomes a little bit more interesting is when you start to look in you know some of the the property types, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Where you know you can see some of the larger markets coming back in office and quite in favor, and across uh, you know hotels you you know you'll see the largest uh, increases in volume in a, a lot of uh, touristy areas. So, you know, thinking Las Vegas markets in Florida, etc. But you know across you know, if you're looking at overall rankings or industrial and multifamily. Uh, it, it becomes clear, and to a lesser extent in retail, that the secondary markets are definitely, you know, proving to be very attractive to investors. Uh, and they were among the first to recover coming out of the, uh, the recession. We see, the, we saw the, re- we expected the recovery to broaden this year uh, into the the larger markets, which it has done. But it's it's pretty remarkable to see some of these growth numbers. Um, you know. <laughs> I, it, it is absolutely uh, jaw dropping, as as you mentioned. And it's interesting in terms of like secondary, tertiary markets. I think historically, find that some buyers would would not be comfortable going into those kind of markets. You know, even if they were pretty strong, it's just there's a lot of focus on core markets, top tier markets. Does do these numbers indicate that the that the field of buyers that are considering some of these markets has also expanded in, in, in search for yields and search for deals? Yeah, well, I mean, look, where, where we see a lot of these strong numbers, it's not entirely surprising. We, we, we really don't see uh, much in the way of, you know, huge growth numbers, you know, some outlier of a, 
you know, tertiary market for, for the most part. These are well-known, secondary, high-performing uh, markets uh, that we see performing well. Now, you know, you could look at hotel investment in Las Vegas, but again, that's a well-established kind of tourist uh, destination uh, and, and market, right? But, um, you know, if, if we're looking at um, office or industrial, for example. I mean, Austin's the number one market for both for for volume growth in both office and industrial. Hmm. That doesn't particularly surprise me, and neither do uh, any of the other secondary markets that we see uh, appearing there. So, I, I think what is becoming clear is that investors, including foreign investors, although you know the total volumes of foreign investors were down, we do see foreign investors e- e- even getting more comfortable going into some of these high-performing uh, secondary markets. So it, it, there's kind of, the, you know, this tier 1.5 between the tier one and two markets that seems to be uh, developing, if you will. And, uh, you know, it's clear that investors have, um, uh, you know, been quite confident in the outlook for those markets uh, since really we started coming out of the, the pandemic-induced recession. And in terms of the, you know, again, talking about cross-border, um, one of the Another parts of this report looks at which sector they have come in for. And I think historically, we think I've always thought of cross-border focusing more on maybe office and then then getting into some of the other property types. But now it looks like industrial was number one for inbound capital. Multifamily is, is got a pretty good chunk, even though while office still did get some um, big volume. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, traditionally, uh, y- y- if you were to look at the share of office, you know, it was it was always quite large in comparison to the other property types. And there were a few quarters where you could point uh, to some exceptions uh, going on there. But you know, during the pandemic, uh, the foreign investors saw what everybody else was seeing, and that was increased demand for goods and the impact that that was going to have on uh, in industrial and logistics fundamentals. And you know, we we saw industrial become uh, you know the most preferred property type, and in fact, that's what it was uh, this last quarter as well. So uh, n- nothing too terribly surprising there, but it it it, it is notable that you know that starting with the pandemic. The foreign investors made uh, the same uh, type of pivot in terms of property type preferences as a lot of other buyers did as well. Um, another piece in here is you've got this breakdown um, on cap rates that that gets into which is a regular report that you guys put out. You know, your cap rate report is kind of the you know one of the go tos for just knowing how the industry is doing all year. So you break it down by the by sub property types. Basically, it seems like cap rates are still like even with everything going on, and even with some of the the interest rate pressure, cap rates are still going down. Well, uh, you know, look, I, I would say if 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 you're looking, you, you got to be you got to be careful when looking at, at certain data points in 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 something like this, because if you look at one data point, you can say, well, this this is what it says, and and that might be what it what it is. That said, you know, when we look at the broader market conditions, what we're hearing from the ground and things, I, I think it's it's quite safe to say that any, you know, the, the trends of uh, continual uh, cap rate compression, that that's that's over for now. And in fact, it, you know, as, as we've moved uh, into the second quarter and what we're hearing from the field is, you know, there, there is, there are some cracks beginning to appear in, in terms of uh, pricing for, uh, especially for class B and C types of product. 
but generally speaking, you know, we're probably going to start seeing, depending on the property type you're looking at, some mild pro, uh, cap rate expansion. Um, it, we're probably in the range of 15 to 50 basis points, depending on the location, the property type, et cetera. So, uh, you know, nothing uh, catastrophic. But I think we have to recognize that while we look at the, the quarterly numbers, you know, conditions changed quite rapidly uh, at the end of the, the first quarter in particular. Um, and so, you know, the world that we're living in, I think, is of stable cap rates, probably relative stability over the next couple of quarters before mm-hmm. we start to see some expansion as, as the macro environment begins to, I don't want to say in, entirely deteriorate, but as the macro environment uh, begins to look uh, not quite as favorable as it has over the last, you know, 18 months. Got it. So, so basically more like cap rates in Q1 had compressed from a year ago, but where we are right now, that's, that's not the situation that the yeah. cap rates are stabilizing. And, and um, you know, I think one of the other pr- parts of that table is looking at the spread over so the spread between cap rates and treasuries. And I think that's another interesting, um, you know, thing to always look at in terms of how, where cap rates are sitting versus where treasuries are sitting and how that's going to also move throughout the year. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly a fair characterization. Uh, but, you know, we're we, we are definitely in a different place uh, than we have been over the last several quarters. Are there any other you know pieces of any other highlights on the report that I haven't asked about that you think would be good to to highlight? You know, I I, I, I just think it, it's a really interesting time because uh, you know if you look across the board for in in volumes in pricing. Um, you know, the market is quite strong, uh, but we know that things have changed uh, <laughs> in, in terms of, of both the economic outlook and financial conditions. Um, and that's going to have an impact. And we're starting, we're just beginning to see the impact of it, but we don't have a lot of data points uh, just yet. But, you know, what our models are telling us is that, yeah, you know, we, we, we are going to see uh, a different environment beginning to develop as the year goes on. So, you know, n- nothing doom and gloom, but uh, mm-hmm. we're not shy about, uh, you know, being clear that there will be increasing headwinds as the year goes on. And, you know, in terms of cap rate compression, uh, that that's that's done for now. Uh, and, you know, the, the upward movements in cap rates, uh, you know, in, in the range of, like I said, you know, 15 to 50 basis points, um, that's that's sort of what we expect uh, going forward. So I, I I think you know the only thing that's worth emphasizing is is just that that um, it, strong quarter. We're probably in for another strong quarter, but the broader environment is changing, and we'll begin to see that register in these uh, uh, quarterly numbers as the year goes on. And for folks who want to see the full version of this report, we'll put a link. Um, in the show notes so that they can get it there. But in general, what's the best way for folks to keep abreast of the work that you guys are putting out and, and getting these reports? Yeah. So, I mean, look, you feel free to reach out to me anytime. <laughs> uh, I can try, I can try and point you in the right direction, but you know, just go to cbre.com. Uh, you can find our research landing page and you'll see all of the latest and greatest that, uh, that we're putting out there. And uh, you know, you can contact any of us uh, anytime. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, giving us the the walkthrough, answering my questions. I appreciate it and um, and hope we can have you back. I would be my pleasure, David, anytime. 
David and Darren, this has been a fantastic podcast. A lot of great information packed into this very, very quickly. So thank you so much for that. And of course, for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at WMRE, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.